0: Jay, do you play video games often? Honestly, man, no. I used to, though, but I think I kind of grew them. What about you? And not as much as I used to. I remember when I was in high school,
1: playing video games is how I bonded with my brother, whether it was through Mario Kart 64 or GoldenEye on Nintendo 64 or Dragon Ball Z Budokai 3 on the PlayStation 3. Sometimes, I look back and briefly think it's wasted time before I remember that those are my cherished memories from my childhood. Even now, when I have a rare moment of time to play video games, I bond with my brother by getting crushed in 2K.
0: <laughs> oh, man, you're taking me down memory lane here, man. I remember playing Goldeneye and Super Smash Brothers on N64 with my cousins as well. But this is really random, why are you bringing up the topic of video games?
1: Well, when I was at the Toronto Global Forum, one of the panelists there was Adam Boyce, the CEO of Iron Galaxy Games, a video game company. Not gonna lie, he was pretty interesting. So what you're telling me is he wasn't a complete nerd? No, unlike you, this guy actually kept my attention. I approached him to do our podcast, and he was nice enough to agree to do an episode for our first season. On this episode, we'll ask about the video game industry, as well as talk about the advantages
0: and concerns in regards to video gaming for both parents and gamers. But before we get started, let's give the people some facts on the video game industry. First off, let's start with how massive it is. The video game industry was valued at approximately $134 billion in 2018, and is projected to reach $230 billion by 2022.
1: I'll be honest, I don't comprehend numbers larger than my bank account, so nothing above two digits.
0: But that would make video games one of the biggest markets in the world. Also, there are a lot of references to video game companies in this interview. If you're new to this world, though, don't fret. I was able to do this interview with zero video game knowledge. And I mean zero.
2: Absolutely yes, thank nothing.
0: You. Thank you very
1: much. <laughs> but here's some things that are mentioned in the interview PUBG, which stands for Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, is a battle royale game with multiple players where you land onto a huge map and compete to defeat each other
0: with weapons found across the landscape. And this game actually helped to define the genre and was a predecessor to fortnite which is another multiplayer battle royale game also new innovation in video games includes google stadia which launched in november of 2019 where high quality games are streamed directly onto your devices from google's data centers without the need for an actual game console so what this means is that you can buy the game online have it downloaded shortly after and play and transfer the game across your devices while earlier reviews have highlighted a lot of problems with missing features and access codes it does have a lot of potential and promise in changing how we game in the future, but let's see if Google can actually capitalize on it. Speaking of Google,
1: Project Stream is another Google project where you can play video games on the Google Chrome browser. The games
0: reportedly do not have to be downloaded onto a gaming PC. One last thing to note is we also mentioned Polygon, which is an American video game website because of an article they published in 2019. This article gained a lot of attention as many game developers resonated with the difficulties of being in the industry. And as usual, you can find the sources for everything we talked about on the webpage for this episode. Here's hoping that Adam can answer these questions for us. My name is Ajay. My name is Prakash. And this is the Real Talk Roundtable.
1: All right, Adam, boys, thank you for joining us today on the Real Talk Roundtable podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. For those who don't know, Adam is the chief executive officer of Iron Galaxy Studios. Since 2016, as CEO, Adam has been responsible for the company's finances, strategic development, partnerships, and alliances. You know, typical CEO things. Most recently, from 2012 to 2016, he was vice president of the third-party relations and developer technology group at Sony Interactive Entertainment, where he oversaw such areas as publisher and developer relations. Portfolio strategy, developer, technology group, and a third-party production team, killing it with record revenue and profitability numbers, consistently year over year. Before that, you were executive producer at Midway Games and director of product development at Capcom. And in your spare time, you enjoy traveling, biking, cooking, spending time with your family, and beatboxing.
2: And so, so I guess your first so question very bang on, gentlemen, bang on. Close. <laughs> not, we're not. What, what do we miss? We well, missed like six other jobs in my career, but you know that's fine. You didn't include that we'll McDonald's it. stint I did back in high school. <laughs> this is the bio you provided us, so I feel like if you didn't include it... Then it didn't matter? Maybe it didn't matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe when we
1: get into it, maybe that's the moment you decided you want to go into gaming. Sure. But I guess our first question to you is, Adam, beatboxing. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to hear some proof. Okay, let's go.
2: <laughs> there you go. Little sample. Yeah, I thing. still got it. Eh? That, was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, I was inspired amazing. back in the day. I was always into hip hop as a kid. I don't know why. I had a, like a slick Rick. Um, I, 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 I was part of the Columbia Record Tape Club. Um, I signed up for that scam back when I was a, a kid. And uh, did you have an eye patch though? What's that? Did you have an eye patch like Slick Rick? No, I did not have an iPad uh, eye patch. like Slick Rick. I wish I did. <laughs> no, but I remember I got his first album, and uh, I had to go down to the to the states. I was. Grew up in a small town right outside of Vancouver called Abbotsford and we went down to Seattle we'd always go to Bella's Fair Mall in Bellingham Washington and I went to uh what was it Sam Goody I can't remember what what store it was and I bought the the uh, tape the cassette tape and I brought it home my dad found it and he saw all the song names like treat her like a prostitute And I came home one day and he was using it as um he was flossing his teeth with the insert insert and he's like what the hell is this and he cracks, the, he cracks the tape in two in front of me and says, you're never <gasps> listening to music like this. And the funny story is that at the time, um, it wasn't the actual tape in the cassette uh, holder. It was uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff tape. So he snapped the DJ Jazzy Jeff tape, taking it to Slick Rick, and I still had Slick Rick in the other room.
0: <laughs> the irony being that the Jazzy Jeff tape was probably the cleanest thing you could do yeah, exactly. hip-hop-wise. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Right. Alright, but let's get serious. Our first question to you, Adam, is did you ever go back and tell your teachers that you actually did get a job playing video games all day?
2: Uh, yeah, it's funny. I did I did go back to my high school. I went to Yale Secondary in Abbotsford. And uh, I did go back after I graduated when I was working at EA in Vancouver. And I tried to go back a few times. I had some really inspirational teachers um, back in high school. And it was nice to go back and stub their nose. My mom always was like, don't you want to go back to college and finish your degree and just show everyone, I'm like, mom, I'm making games for a living. This is basically a dream come true. So definitely is one of those things that, you know, for many, many years, about the first decade of the industry, my mom said, my son works in computers. (laughs) Uh, But after a certain point, she's like, no, no, he makes video games. I'm like, well, I work around video games. I don't actually make them with my hands.
0: What is it specifically, though, that makes you so passionate about the art of designing video games?
2: I think what makes me passionate is just brings me joy. You know, when I think about um, like the other day when season eight of Fortnite came out, and I, I came home to my kids and we woke up, we set the alarm early. So, the three of us, we play in the same room together um, to be able to play together and experience things together and communicate with one another. I feel like it's one of those mediums that, as soon as I find out a few games that people have played, we get to bond over those experiences that we shared together. And it's deeper than watching a movie or being a fan of, of music or or a TV show because I feel like those are very passive. I do feel like the art form of video games is an interactive one where you get to be a part of the story and you and and so it sort of draws those tendrils deeper into your soul. Um, and and a lot of us played games as we were youngsters because maybe we didn't feel accepted, um, you know, in, within social norms, or maybe that you know we didn't have strong relationships with with people and loved ones and. <laughs> And so it was a bit of an outlet. It was a bit of sort of a, uh, you know, a, a place for outcasts to go. But nowadays it's so much more. It's, it's, it's a bigger thing. It's now about togetherness. You know, we live in this very sort of disconnected world where people are face down on their phones. But now we can log on and, and play games. Like my, my brother and his daughter are out in, right outside of Vancouver. And uh, you know, we're playing Fortnite with them online and having a great time. Uh, my friend John Vinyaki just moved to, to Texas, and we just played Apex Legends this weekend and had a great time for four hours because it brings us together. And I think through the stories, through the multiplayer aspects, um, it's about bringing people together around amazing, fun, interactive, and and deep storytelling, and also just experiences, making your own story with many of these multiplayer games. My kids are playing Roblox a lot where they to design homes, and so... I'm helping them sketch the house design that they're going to go online and they're going to buy the different parts to build the walls and stuff like that. Um, but making it not about just about that. You know, we're also going outside and we're, we're doing creating things and, and doing science experiments. And so, but, but what gaming is to us, it's sort of replaced the board game in our family where, you know, we're playing together as a family and uh, that togetherness to me is like nothing else. When you have this great experience, great collective shared experience, Um, it's just the best there's really no nothing that can beat it
1: and so maybe I'm gonna ask a question challenge that Adam Uh, so I think nowadays with games and uh, this online community, do you think there's any toxicity in having these connections with people who don't know each other, yet maybe as games get passionate, do you think people, uh, they dehumanize these re- uh, relationships that they have and they start, I think, attacking people online? Maybe Do you see any downsides in the toxicity of people connecting over games or the, the culture?
2: Yeah, there's absolutely a ton of toxicity. And it really sort of, if you look at each of the genres of video games, um, the toxicity level sort of changes in each one to each one. I think when there's more of a love for the fundamental craft, I think the more competitive the games are. Uh, if you watch some of the, you know, FIFA finals or, or Madden Bowl and you see some of these guys getting really angry. And one of the worst ones is actually an area that Iron Galaxy has a ton of experience is in fighting games. Right? The fighting game community can has been notoriously toxic in many, many ways. Um, but that's, to me, a bunch of bad eggs. And... and what what game companies can do, and I think we've seen this with Blizzard and Riot Games and stuff like that. They're trying to make more and more of the of the aspects of the um, communication aspects of it of the game, um, either nonverbal or tr- bannable, You know where people can sort of like tag each other as, as being negative influences. Personally, I think what Apex Legends has done with the nonverbal communication is absolutely transformative um, to a competitive game. Uh, it's really really important, but. I absolutely do. I think I think part 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 of it is the anonymous nature of it. You know, I think when people are on Twitter and they have real names or on Facebook, actually, they're the most civil and even then they're not always civil. And then as we sort mm-hmm. of move out of the social media spectrums of when you don't need like Twitter, a lot of people are real names and there are still some anonymous people. Whereas when you get into video games, there's a lot of anonymous names. And, mm-hmm. and same with Reddit, you know, we look at those sort of realms of when people feel like they can be the freest... But the reality, I think, as we move forward, there's going to be more of that tie back into a real social network. And when there is that aspect of there's repercussions. If I'm negative in a game that I paid sixty bucks for and I get banned from it, then I lost sixty bucks, right? And the more and more that happens, the more and more these companies get better at monitoring um, that kind of negative attitude, because it's one thing to do it among your friends and be negative and be competitive. But it's a completely different thing when you're in a public public space doing it, right? Um, and I think the companies are getting more hip to it. So I think we're going to see a decrease in it. And, and I hope to pe- see many, many more companies sort of lock it down.
1: And I guess to that point, you mentioned some uh, non nonverbal communication. Uh, may- could you maybe expand a bit what that means? Yeah, sure.
2: So in a game, obviously, you have a couple options for disc- or for communicating with other people. Oftentimes, it's on voice chat where you're just using your voice. Um, in many of the games, like League of Legends, what's really popular is, t- is typing chat. Um, sometimes you can you can chat on the uh, on the key on the pad on the joystick. Um, but mm-hmm. what uh, what Apex Legends does a great job of: you can mark things for other people, you can send people instructions, you can sort of like help them out, and it's all done without any sort of keyboard input or voice input. And so what that does, is it feel it makes you feel more welcome because you're tagging things for people. You're marking things on the map, and so it it creates a better sort of cohesive experience where you don't feel like, "Hey, idiot, what are you doing over there?" (laughs) Right. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it reduces that negativity and creates more of that of that sort of positive feedback loop and cohesion. And
1: so you mentioned, I guess, you mentioned that um, it's it's a group of bad eggs, but you're saying that the toxicity is not kind of representative of the culture as a whole, but it's just a few people. Do you think that maybe there's People who may use gaming, like you said, as an escape, but they take it, they use it as a way to take advantage of people when they don't feel like they have power and they realize that they do it uh, through gaming.
2: Yeah, the one thing I never I, I try to avoid doing is sort of like playing philosopher on why people are doing what they do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I feel very strongly too. There's a lot of people out there that want to um, just do negative YouTube videos about video games. Every game they play is just the worst game ever. Um, and that negative <laughs> energy, I'm a big believer in you get what you give. So if you're putting out negativity, you can get that back. I've been, you know, when I was a more of a public figure at PlayStation, I had people saying horrible things about me online. And sometimes, once in a while, I would reach out to them privately and say, hey, saw that you said that. I wanted to give you a little bit of context for why this happened. And if you ever want to chat about it, let me know. And nine times out of ten, they would respond with an apology. And then we'd have a meaningful conversation. And then they'd be like, wow, I really never thought that you would ever respond. And I would just, I'm actually mad at my girlfriend, or I'm mad at because my mom grounded me, or mad at whatever else. And I just thought that, you know, I wanted to put out that negative stuff in the world. And so, you know, not that you can go, trust me, I wish I could go and, and sort of um, help every single person that, that said negative stuff to me. But, um, but when you start to see that, that pattern, you realize that everyone in the world is broken in a different way. And so you have to have a little bit of patience for them, but you just hope that at some point they have an epiphany where they wake up and they realize that that negative energy they put out there is not going to be reciprocated, right? People are not going to be nice to them if they're always negative and it's going to impact their, their, their relationships, their livelihood, their jobs, their careers. And once they start, sometimes it takes maturation, right? You get older and you learn these things. Sometimes they're always going to be in that world, but as we get more savvy with AI and an ability to monitor this sort kind of chatter, you're going to ban from more and more platforms and you're going to be able to play with less and less people and interact with less and less people. And so the bad eggs are just going to be able to hang out together, which, you know, in that end game is a pretty ugly one. But at the same time, we don't want them in, in you know, interacting with people that are that are trying to have a good time. First of all, I think you lied about not philosophizing when it comes to gaming. No, it's it's trying not to be a therapist for every person that's saying mean things on the internet. I I always love that Jay and Silent Bob thing where they just get all the addresses of everyone that said negative things and go house to house, right? Ready to rumble them. (laughs) Um, Because that's kind of what it feels like sometimes. But the reality of it is that you have to take it with a grain of salt. like. One of the hardest things when you're making games is reading the comments, and I always say to every single person that's a creator, is never read the comments. And yet I don't follow my own <laughs> advice. Um, but I've but I've built a thick enough skin over the two two plus decades in the industry that I can sometimes take it. Sometimes when they do deep digs, you're like, oh man. But then you wake up the next day and you're like, yeah, that's fine. I can still put food on the <laughs> table for my family.
0: You know, throughout our conversation so far, we've covered a lot on know the positive side of gaming and the benefits of it if for those who maybe still aren't convinced although i can't imagine how you wouldn't be at this point but if you're not still convinced maybe adam could you help us crystallize in your view what the what the core benefits of gaming the actual act of gaming are
2: yeah i think if people are have have made up their mind that gaming is bad period i don't really like getting into conversations to try to convince them because you can believe what you can believe there's people that Fair currently enough. believe that the earth is flat God bless them, right? True. It's true. This whole—I just my one question I have for those people is, what's on the bottom? That's all I want to know. <laughs> that's, what's on the bottom? Uh, but but the reality—the upside down. Yeah. yeah. The, the reality of it is that I think gaming is super special because you can find something for anyone that's really going to resonate. Um, we have so much content that's being built these days in so many different areas. Whether you want a role-playing game, or you want a sports game, or you want something that's competitive, or you want something that's like a meditational. Um, there's so many different aspects of it. And to me, I just love experiencing things with other people. And I think there just isn't as many, aside from going to a big live event with a bunch of people, um, just gaming brings so many different aspects of it. It's really, truly, I think, the the most broad modern-day art form. The fact that within virtual reality, you can transport someone to an island in the Caribbean, and they can really feel like they're there or you know they can be sitting on the star trek bridge and feel like they're they're doing a a mission or you know they're playing fruit ninja or or beat saber in in vr and and they feel like they're part of the music um there's so many aspects of it that can be that can be helpful now that all being said it absolutely can be a hindrance people can take it too far there's definitely gaming addictions where people play it over and over again. So I always believe in a balance and, and and being in the games industry, I think it's really important to have that balance with my family and the way that we game. Um, But, but I think the, the, the positives far outweigh the negatives, Uh, just like anything else in life. I mean, too much, you know, you never want to have too much of anything, whether it's salt, sugar, um, booze, video games. So creating that balance is really important, but when the balance is there, I think it's, it's a really, really special, um, you know aspect of, of multimedia that people can interact with and, and have great experiences with no matter what things you're into that's I think the most important part of it
0: And I think you know most most uh, mature individuals or even you know older kids they can appreciate that themselves and it's really hard to kind of argue with the benefits that you laid out there so I'm not really gonna press you so much on what the downsides are because like you said you know if someone's already kind of convinced of that there's not much you could probably say to them otherwise but a question, especially as a parent. So, I mean, taking yourself out of the shoes of a game developer, game designer, game lover, uh, a, a bit of a more difficult question, I suppose, but one that everyone's always asking, and we'd like to get it from the source at the end of the day. Should parents worry about the effects of gaming? And I mean, that's not biased either way. I mean, why or why not sure. do you think they the, should The be?
2: biggest recommendation I have, and I think this is with anything, is when your kids are into something – Get interested. And I don't mean you have to get interested. if they're like, I want to dig up worms every day. But when you sit down with them, when I talk to parents and they say, my kids won't stop playing Fortnite. I was like, have you played with them? No, I don't play anymore. Okay, anymore. So you used to. Why not? Right? You have a phone. You have a tablet. You have a PC. You have a Mac. Play with them. And when you start getting in the world and you sit down with them for a little bit and let them show you the world, that they've built, these virtual worlds, it's not unlike, if we go back, it was playing Lego or it was Dungeons and Dragons. It was, it, was, it, was, it was imagination. It was playing in the sandbox. But now they have this digital sandbox where they can really truly build things and challenge each other. And, and I think what I always say to parents is that if you, if you really treat it like a bad thing, if you, if you treat it like they're just chowing down on chocolate bars for eight hours a day, um, without truly trying to understand it and get involved, then you're not really helping the situation. It's easy to sit back passively and say, that looks bad. You're shooting people. But when you get into it and then you start solving problems together and you start sort of having fun together as a team and you're playing it as a family and, and that's your interaction and, and then the kids come back and, and then other kids are coming over and you're playing with them too. I mean, it really creates a special bond that, that is so easy to do. It's so easy to just try to play a game with your kids. And it doesn't matter if you're good, it really doesn't. Um, because that just that interaction, that time that you're having together is so precious. So I say with parents, get involved. Make sure you set limits. We have screen time, right? We always say to our kids, you have to do the 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 want to or the have to's before the want to's. So there's a lot of chores that they have to do around the house, and we definitely limit it. Um, there's this amazing piece of technology it's called circle by disney yeah you buy this little um i don't know if you guys have talked about the podcast before but you buy this little 50 i think it's 50 or 100 dollars, and you put it um and it hooks up to your internet and then you can remotely disable anything on your internet at any time and you can do it device-based or you can do website-based or service-based so you can dismantle youtube and it's free to use once you've downloaded it um, and you can just blame the bad internet providers, and the kids never know that you're the one sort of monitoring <laughs> their stuff. So there's a lot of ways, I think, in which parents can engage <laughs> to set those limits, and if the kids aren't adhering to those limits, they can artificially you know, hit the, hit the grenade button on, on their circle. Um, but engaging is so critical. It, it's with whatever they're doing. If they're in a drawing, if they're into music, if they're into sports, really engaging with them and helping support them, I think, is the number one thing I say to all parents out there. Um, I was playing uh, EverQuest with a bunch of my friends, and we were playing, I was playing, you know, four or five hours a day, every single day. And and my dad came down one time, and it was like two in the morning, and I was still playing it, and he goes, what is wrong with you? Why are you playing this so much? (laughs) And I was playing with three of my friends online. And I looked at him, and I said, you know when you go on hunting trips for two weeks with your buddies? He's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I go, this is, that is what this is to me. This is me doing something social with my friends, where we're in this world and we're just letting sort of the real world be the real world. And we're in this sort of fantasy world. And from that point on, he got it. Because he understood that his hunting trips, going away for a couple of weeks, you know, a couple times a year with his buddies, was the escape. And, and he realized that that sort of, there was a lot of similarities in, in, in what I was doing. And so there was a mutual understanding. It's different languages, Right. But, but he got it. And I think that's what's important is, is understanding what it means to that kid. You're absolutely right in that there are situations where the kids are getting too hyper or too much. You know, they shouldn't be playing late at night. You know, if they're playing too much in the morning and stuff like that, just monitoring it. But if you understand what they're trying to get out of it and then lean into it and really play it with them, then then it's going to not only make your relationship with your children better, um, but it's going to make your ability to, to communicate with them that much more strong.
1: And um, I think maybe to that point, we were reflecting on the past because I I know games make me very nostalgic with my brother. But I guess maybe flipping it, what do you believe is the future of gaming? With the advent of new technologies such as virtual reality and augmented reality, are there any other use cases that you can think of uh, coming up in the future that people can look forward to with gaming? Yeah,
2: I, I really think augmented reality. I mean, I think virtual reality is incredible for being able to really sort of convey this whole immersive world around you. Um, But what it does, it makes you feel alone. And I think once we get to the place where, and what for those um, listeners that don't understand, augmented reality is where you put on a regular pair of glasses and you can see a digital world over top of the real world. Uh, Whereas virtual reality is when you put on a headset and it closes out the real world and you only see the virtual world. So the reason why I think augmented reality or many people call it mixed reality is going to be a game changer is because I can now play games anywhere I am and I don't feel like I'm shut out. So we could be playing, let's say we're playing a game like Portal, which is a game where you you know shoot these portals at walls and can travel mm-hmm. through them. And you're in your bedroom at your house, and I'm in my bedroom at my house, and we can sort of interact with each other through the game on, on a wall versus being on a screen. I think as soon as we decouple the, the technology from having to be in front of a screen is when things are really going to change. Because picture a world where you know, our, our Teslas are auto driving us to, to, to work or school, and we're able to play a virtual game in there. Um, bad example, because many people are afraid of sort of autonomous driving. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I think in general, AR and and mixed reality are really going to change the game. Once they get to a price point which everyone can purchase them, I think that changes everything because now we can be playing. You know, if you think about Pokemon Go, which was this really popular mm-hmm. mobile game where people would around the real world to catch these Pokemons. But you think about that on a massive scale where everyone just has these glasses on normally. And so I'm downtown Chicago and I see this portal open up and I walk through it and all these different things spawn. I think that that to me can be a real amazing sort of experience. I think as long as they, they stay social and, and you can collaborate with them, I think that's going to be the key. I think uh, as we see with many of these games, there's a little bit of the competitive nature, but I think working together is is the real the real big opportunity. Do
1: you think when it comes to virtual reality especially, um, is there a risk of people taking the escapism too far and like you mentioned, it already gets lonely, but do you think people can maybe dis- like dissociate from reality just by kind of getting into it too much? Is there a risk of the mass population adapting that behavior?
2: Uh, I don't think it's a, gonna be a mass population issue, but I definitely think that with virtual reality, There, we it hasn't been around long enough for us to truly understand what what it's doing to your neural pathways. Um, one example that I that I heard from a friend of mine is that, um, he a very young daughter of his was was, they were on one of those virtual reality roller coaster rides and she had done it a bunch at home and she was like, ah, this is fun. And when he took her to a real roller coaster, she wasn't scared, (laughs) and that kind of made him (laughs) frightened because it's like this digital version was her first experience, and so the real world experience was, um, you know, informed by her digital virtual experience. Whereas most of us, when we do a a virtual roller coaster, we've been on a real roller coaster. I know what my stomach's going to do when I do this move or that move. And so when we start reversing it and the digital interaction becomes the first one and the real world becomes the second one, that's where I think a lot more studies have to be done to truly understand, you know, so many of these scary games in VR that can really be frightening. And what is the impact down the road? I think think it's definitely... um, the the industry needs to do more research on what impact it could po- possibly have to um growth that's why one of the big reasons why they recommend that nobody under 12 should should play in vr because it is so such a new sort of um medium
1: mm-hmm. and i think um one one example i know is the i think the treatment of ptsd with soldiers with uh with video game uh virtual reality to kind of get them acclimatized to certain fears or certain shell shocks and uh is there under like Other examples or educational aspects of gaming that you could think of that people may not be aware?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I know uh, some friends of mine that um, were were absolutely deathly fearful of of flying in airplanes. And so they went to this airplane simulation takeoff and landing place that just had a bunch of huge screens that made it look like they were in an airplane. And they sat on these chairs and these chairs were sort of on rockers and would roll them up and shake them. And they basically would go through this sort of meditation thing and then go in the simulator, and I did, I think, 10 or 12 treatments, and now they can both fly perfectly fine. Um, so, there's I think there's so many ways in which, um, you know, this entertainment, this immersive entertainment, can really be transformational. I think the one other area that it hasn't really truly um, seen the biggest amount of growth is education. I think education can be absolutely transformed by um, you know, a deep interaction. If you think about Minority Report, the movie, where they can just pull things out of the air. We're getting close to the fact that you know when I was learning the periodic table in chemistry, I didn't know there's no sort of um, aspect, interactive aspect, but if I could stand in front of a periodic table, touch any of the uh, any of the different um, you know the, the elements. Yeah, and, and pull them out and see exactly what a hydrogen atom looks like or oxygen and so on and so forth, and see what they do and what impact they have. And what happens when I miss, mix mix these things up. And throw you know H two O on magnesium. Um, I think stuff like that will be will be so amazing. So I think I think um, academia and education is such an amazing place that, that where I think virtual reality, augmented reality, and these these new technologies can really transform the way in which people learn.
1: Yeah, and I think that's exactly how Tony Stark and Iron Man yeah. two found that new element that saved his totally. life. So uh, I think that's the, if that's one argument right there that I think people should fight for it's that sure. one. There's education. the
0: proof. Yeah, uh,
1: and I guess our our final question to you regarding gaming is, what is up and coming for Iron Galaxy in the future?
2: Uh, well, we've got a lot of great projects we're working on that we can't talk about because they're top secret. Um, you know, the last couple of years have been very busy. Uh, I mentioned that we worked with uh, Blizzard on Diablo 3. We worked with Bethesda on Fallout 76. Um, we worked with Epic on Fortnite. Uh, we worked, uh, you know, obviously we've been working many, many years on Killer Instinct. Um, We worked with Activision on Crash Bandicoot. Um, There's a lot more stuff. We've got 135 people that are very busy on new stuff. So unfortunately, all the new stuff I can't talk about yet. But in the next year or two, you should be hearing a lot more from us about what we're cooking up.
1: Well, we look forward to it. And I think uh, you've definitely convinced us that gaming is something to keep your your eye on and see what's coming up in the future and we're excited for it. Um, any last words that you would like to maybe say on the podcast, things to to our listeners that you would want them to know or keep in
2: mind? Yeah, for me, I think it's like if, if you don't believe in gaming, that's totally fine. I think just give it a chance. I think the term being a gamer has changed and morphed so much that now we have people that are playing, you know, Candy Crush that are that are gamers. So, so give it a chance or at least try to understand a little bit more. If you have people that you've just assumed are are, are nerds or they're losers in their basement, when you start to understand the, the motivations and why they're they're playing these activities and in interacting with this entertainment, um give it an extra chance. And for those of you that are gamers, all the power to you. Keep on keeping on and there's so much more cool stuff to come in the future.
0: So Adam, I um I figured this probably wasn't the best thing to tell you at the beginning of the podcast, but now that we're kind of coming to the close, I think I should level with you. So, I mean, Prakash definitely had his gamer days. I know so many of my family, my friends, they did too. But quite frankly, I didn't. I was never a gamer per se. Okay. Um, I liked video sure. games, but in the social aspect, like I loved playing them with people, but I just couldn't come to kind of play them by myself. I mean, I'm not exactly old, but the the way you... The, The kind of the childlike wonder that you speak about not only your profession but your community gaming and its potential to just change lives change the world Uh, one has not only changed my perspective but when my nephew came to me with Fortnite, i mean i just wrote it off as you know he's a little kid this is nonsense you know i can't buy into it the more i see it the more i realize you know the the power of gaming as i see more kids playing playing together playing remotely playing with other kids across the world i think quite frankly um, so Kishan if you're listening I, I owe you a game of Fortnite at the <laughs> very it. least. I, I I owe you that that just chance play to ground understand mode, man
2: there's nothing to lose. You can't, no <laughs> regular, Yeah, regular, honestly
0: regular. I Okay, I mean if you're going to call me out really I just want to lose to him. But um, okay. I, I,
2: my kids it, it's hard sometimes but I have to let the kids give me a headshot uh, once in a while when we're playing. <laughs> but I really appreciate that, is... that sentiment. I mean that's the thing is I've never been when anyone says they are not a gamer. I don't that's fine. Everyone's on their own journey. Um, but, Mm -hmm. but the power of it to be able to communicate to our next generation is like nothing I've ever seen in my life. And and so it, it gives you this ability, like a lot of people focus on, you know, whether it's TikTok or different social media stuff to interact with the youth. But, but to me, it's just this amazing global language that is really easy to pick up even by watching other people play. You don't even have to be a fan. If you just spend a few hours watching some YouTube or some Twitch streams of people playing games, it gives you this sort of in to ask questions. And once you start asking questions, and you can ask them like a layperson, the kids start to become the teachers. And that changes the whole entire dynamic. And that allows them to feel like they're in a power position and makes them feel like they're informing you. And there's something so special and neat about that. That you can't take from them. The the they'll spend the vast majority of their youth, you know, being told what to do. But this is this awesome thing where you're allowed to flip the script and be told what to do but what by what they're doing. And they're using their creativity and their imagination. So it's really I appreciate that you that you sort of no, noticed notice that, but it's so, such a special thing that I think so many people just discard, right? They just automatically put it all in a big sort of garbage bin. And I'm like, man. That kid plays games all the time. They're an idiot, right? It's like, no, the reality of it is they're doing really cool, amazing things and they're creating things and they're living in this world. And if you just just poke, you know, open the door a little bit, they'll invite you in and they'll show you how amazing it can be.
0: They say technology brings people closer together um, and it makes the world a bit smaller. But I think gaming specifically, games in general, has that very special quality um, to bridge those gaps. Absolutely, And I think on the flip side, I think the flip side, too, is just making sure that people
1: are open to allowing people to come into those communities and learn about gaming and just make it kind of reciprocal, I think. Yeah, I just want to make sure that uh, people are kind of open to the fact that, you know what, people are at their own journeys at different times. So you want to make sure that people are able to feel comfortable to jump into the community and people are okay joining that community.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and the bottom line is most developers are there with open arms ready to welcome anyone into their community and make them feel feel at home.
0: So thank you so much again, Adam, not only for a kind of schooling us on the world, the history, the virtues of gaming and the community, um, giving, getting us excited, not only about game development, but, you know, what the future has in store for us. Because I'm not going to lie to you, like, I, like, I mean that. Like, I'm gonna, the next time I see him, you know, which is going to be this weekend, I'm going to tell him, you know, like, teach me. Teach me how to play Fortnite. So um, I'm just going to thank you in advance, one, for bringing us closer. Uh, but I'm sure there's so many people out there who would want to thank you and your colleagues, your former colleagues, for doing the same for them. Uh, but on a more selfish note, Prakash and I just want to thank you for taking the time uh, to speak with us so openly. Uh, your candor was amazing. Um, I don't think you even have to be. Not I don't. Know, although I can't imagine how you wouldn't be interested in gaming after this kind of conversation. But uh, th- just the level of advice um, and experience to which you spoke, uh, I think anybody would be better off after having listened to this. So thanks so much. Cool. Again. I appreciate really appreciate the
2: opportunity, it, guys. It was, it was a pleasure. I love. i don't know if you can tell but i love talking about this stuff it really um (laughs) gets gets me excited and and, uh i appreciate the takeaways too because it is it holds a special place in my heart it's not for everyone but at the same time i think if you understand the virtues of it and and the positive aspects of it hopefully everyone can learn a little something and uh take that to to future conversations that are having about the topic
1: That was unexpected i did not expect that the video game interview would be so philosophical
0: yeah neither did i
1: uh, which reminds me did you end up playing fortnite with your nephew
0: actually yeah well no by the time i asked him he moved on from fortnite what a liar no he actually did but i did play him in nba live and he slapped me now that part sounds true but we do thank adam for reminding us the impact of video games and why some people love them and of course don't forget to follow our social media pages on instagram twitter and facebook for updates Feel free to share your comments with us, and if there are any future topics that you'd like us to explore, please let us know.
1: Finally, if you like what we discussed today, feel free to share it with family and friends. We truly appreciate the support.
0: Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us on the next episode of the Real Talk Roundtable.